Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, alright, welcome to episode number 79 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys today. First, me and Mike are going to shoot the breeze about some of the cannabis news of the week. Then we got a cultivation segment with our Strain of the Fortnite, uh, my beginner grower special checklist for all the things you need to get started as a beginner, as well as Grow Q&A with listener questions answered. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Rocket Seeds. Episode 79, coming your way. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Uh, DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Hey, welcome back. Episode 79 in full effect. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. We love you guys and uh, appreciate it tremendously. The earworm about growing bud yourself. And here we are, episode 79. Um, nothing really about that number strikes out to me, Mike, but how are you feeling? Well, you got me thinking about 79. Uh, I'm good, though. I'm, I'm doing well. I think this is going to be a very good show. Yeah. Or I'm, at least I'm... moderately good. <laughs> Absolutely. And and what do we have in the news this week? We have some news. We have some good news. We have some bad news. We have some interesting news. So let's start things off. It, 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 first story, it's a little odd, but apparently pot laced with fentanyl is causing overdoses in Connecticut. According to reports, uh, 39 overdose cases um, have required Narcan since July. And the people involved with these overdoses, they report only consuming cannabis. But of course, that, that doesn't make sense with an overdose that requires Narcan. So officials were actually able to get a hold of some of the cannabis in question and test it. And the lab results actually showed the presence of fentanyl in the weed, in the actual cannabis. So, the health department said it's the first lab-confirmed case in Connecticut, and possibly the first case in the United States where they've found fentanyl in pot. Wow. Well, that's awful. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah, crazy and uh, so unnecessary, and also an example of why we need uh, some regulation, you know, and, and legalization and testing and, and, and all of these things. Like it, it saddens me to think that like cannabis could be laced with something. And I do think, you know, this are probably very isolated incident of just some idiot, you know, putting some fentanyl onto some cannabis thinking, you know, somehow that was going to help, help the situation, but that's just really rotten and awful. And it does not take a lot um, of fentanyl to overdose. So gosh, I just, uh, I think, I think that's disgusting and awful and, and really bad news. Who knows who, who did this or, or why and all of that. I hope it's very isolated and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all the more reason to grow your own too. Um, not just have lab testing and dispensaries, but just be able to make your own cannabis and really know everything that went into it uh, or didn't go into it, uh, even more importantly. So, man, yeah, that's heavy. And I feel for anybody that had to go through that situation. And it's just all the more reason to be really careful out there. Um, there's people out there that, you know, don't really care what they're putting out into the world. I mean, it's just, it's gross and awful and, and sad. And um, that's, that's all I can really say about that. 
Well, speaking to your point about needing regulation, uh, people probably know by now that Connecticut did legalize pot. And even though it was um, the last of the three states in the tri-state area to legalize, you know, New Jersey, then New York, and then Connecticut, it actually could be the first of those three to market because uh, officials in Connecticut are saying they anticipate sales beginning before the end of 2022. So that's some good news in Connecticut. Adult retail sales should be getting underway within the next year there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is good news. And and hopefully the sooner the better, hopefully for New York and New Jersey as well. I mean, it just seems crazy that it's taking this long. People have voted, the Congress, the the House of Representatives, everybody approved it. And it's why why are we waiting now? What's the what's the delay? I wasn't going to bring this up because uh, I'm sure it's not going to make you happy, but uh, New York, still a ways away. Uh, We do have a a cannabis control board now, but the chair of that board has just said it's going to take another 18 months just to create the uh, regulations for the industry before they start issuing business licenses. So this, of course, means that within a year and a half, they'll be ready to start issuing licenses which means it's going to be potentially two years before these businesses are actually up and running in New York. So retail sales in New York, quite a long ways away at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. But, uh, you know, the, 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 on the plus side, if you have a medical card in New York, you, I believe you can now grow your own, um, or very shortly thereafter. I mean, certainly by 2022, you can have your six plants, uh, or 12 plants per household, growing with a medical card in new york so home grow does exist you just got to jump through the hoops and get your medical card but if you have it you can grow uh you will then be able to not have to go to a dispensary and not have to buy a fentanyl laced cannabis off the street so it's a win-win-win for everyone if you can uh, get your medical card and get your grow tent and start growing your own uh it's going to be a better product for a cheaper price and it certainly won't have uh, fentanyl or taxes involved. Right. Unless you want to add both of those things, in which case you'd be very weird. But yeah. Here's a good one. Uh, yes. Germany appears set to legalize marijuana. Uh, party leaders there have reached an agreement on a tax and regulate plan. And Germany, they already have decriminalized pot and approved medical marijuana, but this uh, new legislation would establish adult-use retail sales, and officials say they're backing recreational pot to establish this regulated market in the hopes of shutting down black market sales. And according to estimates, uh, legal weed in Germany would actually bring in 1 billion euros a year in sales when it's fully established. So that plan is being introduced in the upcoming legislative session, and if it goes through as expected, Germany would become the first European country to legalize adult-use cannabis. Amazing. That would be really incredible. Uh, and it would be a shame uh, uh, to the Netherlands, who should mm. have already you know, figured this out. Uh, all our trips over to Holland... Uh, over the years, I learned, you know, which countries are, are most strict in Europe. And it was always uh, France, Italy, and Germany, uh, which were, you know, uh, of the Western European countries that were the most strict. And a lot of the Germans that, you know, and, and, and French and Italians that would come to Amsterdam uh, would have horror stories about being busted for half a joint or, you know, just some seeds or you know, all kinds of just really craziness. Uh and it's just it's a shame because there's cultures in all those all those countries of of smoking hash and you know growing and you know they all have icons that came from there too seed breeders uh you know friends of ours who you know like i said uh gosh there's so many people from those nations who have worked really hard to legalize cannabis in Europe, and so it's a good thing. I, I mean, I, I'm happy to see uh, Germany take the lead with that. It's sad that it's taken this long, and I'm really hoping that other countries that typically have been looser with this sort of thing, like Spain, uh, you know, Holland, even Belgium, have been pretty, you know, relaxed, uh, you know, and I think the UK as well, you know, in a way, uh, I think. 
it, it can only benefit Europe if they do this, and it'll slow us down, I would imagine, as far as the same way that Canada's national legalization has allowed them to do banking and take in loans and things that we can't do in our our national cannabis industry uh, because we're just fractured state by state. And I think it's interesting, Europe can really lead the way, and South America as well, uh, can lead the way uh, as far as nations legalizing for recreational use and hopefully having social use and home grow and all of that and releasing the prisoners because I'm sure there's people in Germany locked up in jail that are nonviolent cannabis growers and dealers who do not belong in jail in, in throughout Europe, in Italy, in France, and throughout all of you know South America and Africa and Asia. And really it's about them. And at the end of the day, if Germany if Germany legalizes, that's great. But they also need to expunge the records and release the prisoners. And if they can do all of that, then hopefully the rest of Europe and the rest of the world will follow. It is a trip that Germany might be the first country in uh, Europe to legalize. I don't think any of us would have predicted that. No, absolutely. I mean, even Denmark, you know, Copenhagen has Christiania and, and Amsterdam has what they have and Spain has what they have. And, you know, Germany's never been known as a, a place, you know, where cannabis has any sort of freedom to it, uh, particularly in Europe. And, and uh, again, France and Italy are, are similar in that way. I mean, they've always sort of cracked down. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's a shame. And I hope, uh, I hope it ends soon. I really do. Well, you could bet that Germany's uh, system is going to be efficient. Uh, let's do <laughs> let's do one more story here. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. I'm sure everyone is aware, and people know. You know, there's a, a tradition at the White House each year. The president pardons uh, some turkeys, so he says these turkeys they're not going to be murdered and eaten for Thanksgiving. It's a cute little photo op for the president. So Biden did that this year. He pardoned some turkeys. And then there was a, a press briefing afterwards. And I have to give a lot of credit to the New York Post's Stephen Nelson, who asked, uh, are any humans being pardoned? Um, because, well, how about this? Why don't we just play? This, this is the, the sound of, um, of reporter Stephen Nelson asking the press secretary about this and her response. So let's just listen. Humans going to be pardoned by President Biden. There are people who are serving life in prison for marijuana who want him to honor his commitment to release everyone in prison for pot. Are people going to get pardoned as well by President Biden? I, I will just reiterate that the president is, of course, I have nothing new to update you on, but the president is, of course, uh, will look and to the use of his clemency powers. He's talked about uh, his approach or his view on nonviolent drug offenders, but I don't have anything um, to update you on on that today. Go ahead. Yeah, so interesting stuff uh, a lot of levity with the whole turkey thing but <laughs> not a lot of uh, of substance when it comes to a, an important question there yeah and another saki bomb <laughs> from jen saki mm. but you know I, I i just i gotta say this whole turkey pardoning thing is kind of silly and goofy and kind of reminds me of you know the british monarchy all of the things we were trying to get away from the pageantry of politics uh, it just seems kind of stupid. It's like almost like wearing a powdered wig. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, come on, dude. Pardoning turkeys. It, it, it's, as you mentioned, a frivolous photo op. It's cutesy, tootsy. But, you know, as a reminder that there are people in jail for nonviolent cannabis offenses. And, you know, kudos, like you said, to the reporter who asked the question. Uh, shame on them, you know, the administration. I, it's not the most weed friendly administration obviously more weed friendly than any republicans would be but uh there are certainly democrats that are more weed friendly than the uh the ones in the white house and it's a kind of a no-brainer issue i think if they embraced it and uh you know did the things that it's not even a partisan issue i mean there are republicans who are interested in legalizing cannabis as well not as many but certainly some and uh i don't mean the politicians i mean the actual republicans in the world uh the the voters don't they don't mostly don't see this as an issue and so 
it really it's as bipartisan as infrastructure or I would imagine some other things, but maybe not, but certainly infrastructure, you know, building back the roads and bridges and getting people jobs here in America, that seems pretty much a no brainer. And same as releasing nonviolent cannabis prisoners while there's businesses making millions of dollars from cannabis, uh, to me, a no brainer. Uh, but you know, the turkeys get, (laughs) get the news and then, Again, I, I just think uh, we got to keep their feet to the fire. It, it's a long process. It's always been changing in our favor. For many, many years, people have been telling us they'll never legalize, they'll never do this, they'll never do that. And all these things have happened. So it, it, it's a slow road, but it's we're working towards the proper solution, which is to get those people out of jail yesterday. Uh, and yesterday is too late, but tomorrow's good enough for me but you know a 10 years from now is shameful on all of us so the point being uh, i'm glad the reporter brought it up i i'm not really happy with the administration's response but uh let's keep their feet to the fire and remind them that this isn't a partisan issue everyone knows where i stand but i don't uh, you know, see this as something that's very partisan. I think there's lots of people on all sides of the spectrum uh, politically who know that cannabis should be legal, that home growth should be a part of that, that equity should be a part of that, that uh, expunging records and releasing prisoners should be a part of that, and that there should be at least some kind of level playing field between us and big businesses uh, which all of those things include like home grow and, and, and all of that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I'm pontificating a bit on this, but, uh, in conclusion, let's, let's just keep their feet to the fire and remind our politicians that, uh, we want this done and nobody belongs in jail for a plant. No, absolutely. And, you know, obviously a lot of this stems from Biden running during his campaign on pledges of decriminalizing pot possession and expunging, uh, you know, cannabis conviction records and, and freeing uh, nonviolent uh, pot offenders. So, yeah. It, and Kamala Harris talking about Snoop Dogg and Bob Marley and, and, and all the come on. It's it's time. Like, right. And it will help you guys in the 2022 elections and the 2024 elections if there's progress made on this issue because as mentioned it's bipartisan and a lot of the people that are independents that aren't choosing sides agree with that as well you know what i mean so it's 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 really a win for everyone and uh certainly a win for the prisoners and their families who have been suffering through this which not for nothing, Joe Biden was one of the architects of. So I'm not letting him off the hook here, okay? It's, you know, he's he's not my ideal person to be in charge, uh, but he's in charge, and he needs to listen to the constituencies of both sides, all three sides, all eight sides, whatever 32-sided dice you want to roll, pretty much all all the roles come up legalize it so hopefully uh he's listening to the podcast or maybe I'm kamala sure he is. yeah mm-hmm. right i mean definitely what, what better do they have to do than listen to us and yeah the the interesting thing about that is those those turkeys that got pardoned it's like all right good news bad news the good news is you're getting pardoned we're not going to kill you and eat you for thanksgiving the bad news is you have to continue living life as a turkey so there's that. But that's a little bit of a look at what's going on in the world of weed. Um, but we have more than just news here. We have a lot of great cultivation information coming up, as well as a little segment on the most stoned cities in the United States. Yeah. So I guess without further ado, why don't we take a break and come back with that? If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. 
Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. Right, and we're back, and um, you know Dan and I, big David Letterman fans, we like we we missed the the top ten, so we thought maybe we would do a little top ten for you guys because a report came in that uh, that tells us the most stoned cities in the United States, and it's actually not at all what I would have expected. And it's basically based on the percentage of people in a given city that have tried cannabis, or at least report having tried cannabis. So um, the population of the city matters less because it's the percentage of the people. So what do you think, man? Should we just uh, should we go through this maybe, do the top ten? Yeah, definitely some surprises on here. A few of the usual suspects, but uh, certainly surprises. All right, why don't you start us off with the tenth most stone city in the U.S.? 10th most stone city, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a population of 592,000 and 63.27% of people who have taken marijuana. I don't know if that means they've used it or they've taken it from someone else. They've taken marijuana. They've injected it. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Interesting. Um, Much more known for, you know, their, their breweries than for their cannabis but uh yeah i think a lot of this has to do with just these populations of these cities they're all almost all under a million and uh i don't know it's interesting well number Number nine nine is a a little bit more of what you would expect it's austin texas so they're keeping austin weird and (laughs) 63.61 percent of people there yeah that i can believe for sure austin's that kind of town i've definitely smoked my share uh at south by southwest and other uh wonderful times in uh the only part of texas really worth (laughs) worth visiting i lived in houston when i was a kid uh didn't really love it too much but hey you know i'm hopefully it's better now but austin is certainly an oasis uh for the cannabis user in texas and uh so not not surprising to see austin on the list probably surprising to see them down at number nine Hmm. number eight columbus ohio really hmm interesting 63 almost 64 percent of the population of Columbus, of almost 900,000 people, have taken marijuana. That is interesting. I wouldn't have expected Columbus. Yeah, 63% of 900,000 people. I mean, gosh darn it, that's a lot of people. It is. Half a million people in Columbus, Ohio, smoking pot right now as we speak. That's right. Uh, Number seven, I would have expected to be an even higher percentage. Uh, Number seven, most stone city in the U.S. is Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Just over 64% of the population. Surprising, for sure. All of these cities are are basically separated by very small percentages. It's it's all within 63 to 65 almost percent. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Denver, you'd think, would be higher on the list, being that, you know, it's super legal. Uh also surprising that the population of denver is only seven hundred and sixteen thousand people that's a much smaller city than i i would have expected that that's actually smaller people in denver than that (laughs) it's smaller than indianapolis that's crazy yeah i don't know i mean maybe that's just downtown denver i don't know it seems weird that these numbers should look into this we'll we'll start an investigation (laughs) and then again number six nashville tennessee really that's no that's a surprise they like their weed over more than denver colorado uh i mean that's a surprise nashville tennessee but hey yeah a lot of musicians you know how you know how Mm -hmm. those people are musicians they (laughs) They, love taking on the reefer they take marijuana all the time (laughs) yeah toking on their reefer sticks 
Well, if you think that's that's weird, number five is even stranger. Number five is Mesa, Arizona. Over 64% of of the population of Mesa takes marijuana. Interesting. I mean, you know, it's like the vortex, right? Like Mm -hmm. something's going on there. Uh, Makes sense a little bit. A lot of new agey types. Yeah. With their crystals. And then Arizona makes an appearance at number four with Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, the only one of these cities with more than a million people. Uh, By far cl- the biggest city in the, the population-wise in the top 10. Right. At 64.25% of people who have taken marijuana out of a mm-hmm. uh, million point six or so uh, Phoenix residents, uh, that's a lot of marijuana being taken in Phoenix. And Phoenix uh, is holding it down. Yeah, Arizona doubling up Mesa and Phoenix. And then number three... Kind of not a surprise at this point, but would have been a surprise maybe five years ago. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, 64.4% of uh, Okies from Muskogee. No, I'm sorry. They're not from Muskogee. They're from Oklahoma City. Uh, but they're smoking a lot of pot. Smoking a lot of pot in Oklahoma. It's sort of becoming a, a, a dark horse cannabis state. Yeah, well, you know, the entry level in Oklahoma for you know starting a cannabis business is pretty low and apparently a lot of people are smoking a lot of pot down there so uh interesting number two somewhat of a surprise to me for me surprise indianapolis indiana at almost 65 percent of the population taking marijuana in well, indianapolis you know say. if you if you live in indianapolis it helps to be stoned yeah, I'm I just kidding. So. And you know that. what? It does have legal weed. Uh, Wait, they do? Don't they? Or maybe I don't they don't. So. Indianapolis. Um, before we get to number one of the most stoned city in the United States, we should just do a few honorable mentions here. Uh, Boston, where Danny Danko hails from, is the 19th most stoned city. Seattle, Washington, which I thought would be pretty high, that's 20. Uh, Chicago, which recently welcomed legal weed, is all the way down at 24. And then this is where it gets interesting. The city that we live in, New York, that's at 29. And then the big-time cities, Los Angeles and San Francisco in California, are 32 and 35, respectively. Mm. So that's sort of uh, some of the other cities that didn't make the top 10. But, But why don't you give us number one, the number one most stoned city in the United States. Yes, this one is not really a surprise if you've ever been there. It's Portland, Oregon, uh, at 64.72% of a population of about 650,000. That's a really uh, small city. All having taken marijuana. And where they're taking it, I don't know. But I hope they're taking it into their lungs and then breathing it out. Yeah, this, uh, this better not be about confiscating marijuana. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised about New York and L.A. and San Fran, but I guess, you know, there's those are also cities with huge populations. They're so big, yeah. So uh, I think that there's a bit of dilution. Right. There would be there would be more people, but less of a percentage. Yeah, because I smell weed everywhere I go. My God, just walking down the street. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, doctor's offices everywhere I go. Is it wait? Is it you? I, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's not. That's the crazy part. Usually I just, in the past, I would assume it was me. Mm-hmm. But now, now it's knows? not always me. And sometimes I'm like, wait, is that me? It can't be me. And it's not me. It's someone else. And, yeah. Brave new world. I know. Well, there you go, guys. Those are the 10 most stone cities in the U.S., along with some honorable mentions. Um, if you didn't hear your city here Start taking more marijuana. Start convincing your friends to do so. Get up. Rise on this list. Uh, Take just to recap, the marijuana. <laughs> 10 was Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 9, Austin, Texas. 8, Columbus, Ohio. 7, Denver, Colorado. 6, Nashville, Tennessee. 5, Mesa, Arizona. 4, Phoenix, Arizona. 3, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. 2, Indianapolis. And number 1, as Danny mentioned, Portland, Oregon. Go Wooks. All right, so that that was our top ten there in honor of uh, late show host David Letterman, um, who I think was from Indianapolis, right? Indianapolis, yeah. correct, number two city. 
Um, why don't you tell the good folks what they can expect in our uh, giant, gigantic, extravaganza of a cultivation segment? Yeah, so uh, there's Chain of the Fortnite. There's uh, my grow tip this week, which is basically uh, an entry level for the beginner grower, sort of a checklist of all the things you'll need to get started, uh, and answers to listener grow questions from listeners just like you. So stick around. We will have our cultivation segment after these messages. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf plant nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back, and we have a jam-packed cultivation segment for you guys this week. Uh, starting oh. with, oh. oh. <laughs> and yes, this is a fortnight. And yes, this is a fortnight. Strain of the fortnight. What you got for us? Uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain of the fortnight. Strain of the fortnight. There it is. Oh, yeah, man. Strain of the Fortnite. What, what do you got for us this Fortnite? This one is special. Uh, this one is the original Haze. Uh, this is actually available from uh, agseedco.com, which is uh, Todd McCormick's seed company. He's a, a guest on the show recently. And these are regular seeds. So you're going to get males and females, which is actually a good thing with these because uh, this is incredible breeding material. Uh, he's got these for $10 each, uh, sold in packs of 10 seeds. So it's a hundred bucks per pack and you're going to get a decent variety of, uh, phenotypes. But like I said, it's breeding stock. Uh, the original haze was first bred in 1969, uh, in the Santa Cruz mountains by uh, a person named G and, uh, that was bred with Colombian. It's basically Colombian seeds, Colombian haze that was brought back, uh, to California from Colombia in the late sixties. And then, uh, originally bred there, uh, by G he exchanged seeds with, with skunk man, Sam. Uh, and you know, that's where the Hayes brothers and all of that, uh, skunk man, Sam saved the variety, uh, and basically turned the world on to Hayes because he went over to, uh, Amsterdam and, uh, basically created some of the original seed companies over there, uh, and brought the Hayes to uh holland which had almost everything was uh afghan and mostly hash even really at the time but a lot of uh, uh things that have afghan in them uh, very much indicas and uh then basically uh todd got the variety from skunk man sam in 2012 uh, the original three-way colombian haze that was first bred uh, by g um, sam kept them uh through IBL breeding, inbred line breeding since the 70s to preserve the variety. Um, this is according to Todd's website, agseedco.com. Uh, it's really unlike anything that's in most of the poly hybrids that we smoke these days. Uh, you will find some interesting examples of haze to grow out, but it's also, like I said, really amazing to breed with. So if you're interested in breeding, uh, you want to be an amateur breeder, but you want to create something brand new, and you've got something like a really amazing uh, Afghan or Indica dominant strain that you'd like to uh, breed with an original haze to come up with real F1 hybrid genetics, uh, you can't go wrong with the original haze. Um, so like I said, agseedco.com, 
uh, Todd is uh, very solid about answering all the questions you have. Uh, just keep in mind, it's got a, a long flowering time, a lot of different phenos, uh, typically very finicky, tough to grow indoors, tough to grow outdoors, and uh, but well worth all of those things if you get it right and you find the right pheno, and uh, especially if you're breeding with it. So that is our strain of the fortnight, the original haze, regular seeds available from agseedco.com, uh, our friend Todd. And uh, thank you to him for keeping some of these old genetics alive and available. He's got Northern Lights, Original Skunk, NL5 Haze, uh, Durban Poison, all, all these, you know, just rare original uh, strains in their original form, which is great, like I said, for breeding or to find an amazing new pheno. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk to some of these people who have been in the uh, in the game for such a long time, and they talk about that original haze and the, that line, the psychedelic effect that that strain has. Yeah, I mean, and that's the real beauty of it is that it's so electrifying and uplifting, and really, uh, you know, it's just a perfect daytime smoke. And people will say that you know about that Colombian, even the import stuff that they were getting from Colombia, the Colombian gold and the Punta Roja, and uh, the strains that came from down there. They were just, you know, sun-kissed, uh, organic, perfectly uh, grown, and 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 just really, uh, like you mentioned, just very uplifting and electric and and. Uh, you don't find that in a lot of the strains we smoke these days. I mean, uh, you might, you know, a little bit, but not like 100% Colombian. It's just nothing, nothing's like that. Uh, and those old timers will tell you, um, Southeast Asia and, uh, you know, Colombia and places that are close to the equator, just for for whatever reason, the, the strains that, that love that, you know, high heat and uh, long uh, days just come up come up as uh uh very very uh i mean people talk about the sativa dominant high but it's 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 beyond that it's really like heart racing sometimes and uh very inspiring though and like i think a lot of uh a lot of people could benefit from smoking uh those type of strains and maybe just haven't found the right one for themselves but try the try out the original haze it's really uh incredible and uh like i said i love that colombian heritage definitely try it out and uh and now it is time as our listeners know each week uh, dan likes to provide a grow tip that will help you become a better cultivator so what do you want to talk about this week yeah so in celebration of um a chapter that i wrote in the new ed rosenthal book it's the cannabis growers handbook I actually posted about this today because it really did bring a tear to my eye uh, when I got the package delivered and I opened it up and here's this beautiful new presentation of a book that I have multiple copies of over the years and dog-eared copies and, and stained with nutrients and, you know, really stood the test of time in my grows and, and, and various different um, sized grows that <laughs> I always went back to either this book or Jorge's Bible uh, and you know, really use these books uh, as a youth learning how to grow. Um, so to have a chapter in the book uh, written by me um, and to be asked to do that for this book was just, it was so, uh, I was so overjoyed and, and humbled and just really honored um, to be able to do that. Because if you'd have told me that back then <laughs> that I would be writing a chapter um, in the book that, you know, I was, was my Bible, <laughs> one of, one of several, but certainly super duper important. Uh, I would have asked you whatever for whatever you were smoking on, cause <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you. And so it did, uh, it did make me emotional to see it. And I, I'm honored and I want to thank Ed and, uh, Jane and, uh, on Angela Baca, uh, for giving me that opportunity. And what I wrote was basically the keep it simple, stupid, uh, garden. I didn't say stupid. I said, keep it simple system. <laughs> and it's basically a checklist of the things you need as a beginner to get started growing. Okay. If you're going to grow indoors for personal use, these are the things you absolutely must have. So, uh, it's basically the beginner checklist. Uh, you need a tent. Okay. So 
Uh, you can try to make a room into a grow. You can try to make a closet into a grow. You could try to build a cabinet or something, but you either need a tent or a box. I mean, it's just the easiest way. And I think the tent really is the most affordable way. The box is, you know, obviously uh, more expensive, but with a lot more bells and whistles. So uh, if you have the money to spend or you want to put the money on a credit card and just let it pay you back uh, in, a, in a harvest or two, uh, be sure to get a grow box because there's a lot of things that are automated in the box that you can't do um, in a tent. But, you know, there's drawbacks to that. It's going to show up on a pallet, you know, outside your house. It's tough for apartment growers. Whereas uh, a tent is going to just show up uh, in a box. Um, a lot of these tents out there have everything you need to get started pretty much. Uh, I wouldn't do the hydro systems that they come with typically um, because I, I do recommend growers that are beginners just get some buckets and fill those buckets with a soilless mix and hand water. So you need the tent. Uh, typically there's all different size tents from two by two all the way up to 10 by 10. But, you know, I would say four by four, it's about the size of a refrigerator. So it's pretty reasonable, uh, not going to look crazy in your place. And, and you can certainly get plenty out of a four by four. So, you know, if you're going to start with a four by four, um, then you need the buckets. Uh, cheap five-gallon buckets are, are readily available at uh, Lowe's. I don't recommend Home Depot due to their politics, but uh, Lowe's or your even better, your local hardware store um, that's probably struggling because of Home Depot and Lowe's. So uh, get yourself a, a, the, some cheap five-gallon buckets. You can get 10-gallon buckets if you want to go a little bigger and have a little bit of a longer veg time, uh, but I wouldn't go lower than five-gallon. Um then you need your soilless mix. I really like uh, Pro Mix. It's kind of like been the go-to for years. Uh, but recently got uh, some stuff called um, Bio365, and uh, it's pretty amazing. It's lighter than the Pro Mix. I usually would normally add a lot of amendments and things to Pro Mix, so I would add uh, my own perlite, and I would mix that in along with a bunch of other stuff, um, guanos and green sand and things. But this uh, Bio365 comes with biochar and a lot of stuff already added to it, and it's really light and airy. It's got the right amount of uh, cocoa and perlite added to that sphagnum uh, peat moss that they use. Um, so I find that to be the best, a soilless mix in a bucket. Cut holes in the bottom of the bucket to make sure there's drainage. Um, you need trays underneath the bucket uh, just to catch any drainage. Um, as far as lighting, uh, there's some pretty amazing lighting out there for a 4x4 tent. Uh, I would in the past I would always go with high intensity discharge lighting, uh, ceramic metal halides or high pressure sodium lighting, but uh, LEDs have really come a long way and there's some pretty amazing ones out there uh, that will cover a four by four foot footprint very easily without the heat that you're going to get from the HIDs. So uh, there's pricey ones, there's cheaper ones. Uh, there's a lot of different options out there, so I'm not going to give you one particular one, although, you know, I like Illuminar, I like Fos. Uh, there's some, there's certainly some good brands out there, um, but do your research when it comes to lighting, uh, in particular for the size of the space that you have. So the four by four, you want to be able to have at least 6,000 lumens at canopy level at all times, uh, preferably more. You're also going to need some nutrients. Uh, I obviously love the Sweet Leaf line. Uh, organic Rev as a supplement is amazing. Uh, but, you know, there's lots of lines out there. Uh, pick the one that works for you. Uh, start at half strength, as I always recommend, and work your way up. You can bump it up, but it's hard to take away. Um, you're also going to need fans and filters. Most of these tents are going to come with fans and filters, but uh, you want to make sure they're there. Uh, you're pulling enough air in. You're pulling enough air out, you're pulling air in at the bottom of the tent, pulling out air at the top of the tent, and uh, that air is going through charcoal filtration. Um, those are important things. Make sure that there's also a fan inside the tent uh, that's rotating, even, even just a small oscillating fan uh, is an important addition to keep the air movement uh, flowing. You're also gonna need mon monitors, a lot of people try to just sort of wing it without uh, monitors but I definitely think um, you need these and it starts with a digital thermometer uh, with a built-in hygrometer uh, well worth the investment typically not 
you know, not expensive, but that keeps track of temperature and humidity um, inside the tent and also when you're not inside the tent. So it's not just walking in there and seeing what the temperature and the humidity is. That thing will tell you uh, what's happening when you're not in the tent, when the uh, temperatures go down and, you know, at night or uh, when the humidity goes down because of your heat popping on or whatever it might be. Um, so very important. Another thing is a pH monitor for your nutrient solution. Um, there's little test kits you can use for aquariums that'll at least give you an idea that you're in the vicinity. Nothing wrong with spending a little extra and getting something you can dip right in uh, to your solution and get a digital readout of. Um, that's important. Uh, if you're gonna do CO2, it's important to have a CO2 monitor as well. Uh, if you're gonna supplement with any kind of CO2. now. In bigger grow rooms, obviously, people are going to use uh, CO2 tanks uh, with regulators or CO2 generators with a regulator. For smaller grows, uh, there's cool new solutions that you can use, um, which are basically uh, mushroom buckets. Uh, they're CO2 production bags. Uh, basically, they produce CO2 gas for the you know 65 or so days of flowering. Constantly, you, you just open them up mix the two ingredients and they start producing CO2 gas. Um, similar to just if you were brewing beer in the, in the room or if you had, you know, chickens or something or rabbits in there. Um, it's just a constant supply of extra CO2 that the plants can use to um, turn into plant cells with, along with the light and then give off the oxygen. Um, so it just keeps the, uh, the process of photosynthesis flowing if there's extra CO2 in your tent. So, it is supplemental, but uh, it it can boost yields and also uh, it can be done pretty cheaply. So you know there's there's cheap ways to do this uh, each time you have a harvest. So um, and then besides that, you're going to need harvesting materials. Uh, you're going to need spray bottles. Uh, you know for uh, misting. Uh, you want to keep your nutrient solution not inside your grow room. You know find a dark uh, cabinet where you can keep that stuff. I see way too many people have their newts uh, laid out in the grow and the lights are constantly, you know, on the newts and it's just not a good scene. Um, and then I mentioned harvest, harvesting materials, all the things you're going to need to cut the plants down, trim them, um, hang them. You might need a dehumidifier or a humidifier depending on uh, what it's like in your house and, and in your tent. Uh, a notebook, obviously, to keep notes, a calendar. Uh, I like to have a step stool as well just to get up top and, and you know, once the, once the plants are tall enough uh, that you can't quite, you know, see where the tops are, uh, you can use a step stool and get up there and kind of get to canopy level. Um, but, yeah, those are basically the things you're going to need, uh, and you're going to need a way to hand water your nutrient solution. I alternate between nutrient solution and plain water uh, pretty much off and on unless I feel like I need to do give a boost of nutrients and that would only really be between week like two and six or so of flowering. Uh, so that's basically the checklist of the things you're going to need. Uh, and, you know, I would say I would add to that also like a magnifying loop, a way to get in there and look at the undersides of your leaves, uh, check for pests to look at the trichomes to check for, uh, maturity level and whether you need to harvest or not. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good, uh, checklist for the beginner of all the things you'll need and the things that you don't need, I should mention too, you don't need an expensive hydroponic uh, system with, you know, a nutrient reservoir and pumps and, and all of the plastic and trays and things that, uh, tend to come with some of these tents. You don't need that. Like I said, just a bucket and a tray underneath it and just hand watering, uh, will be so much more forgiving and, uh, so much easier and cheaper and not as difficult to figure out and dial in as some of these hydro systems. And so, uh, you know, forego the plastic that comes underneath the light. Um, just make sure you have the tent, the light, and the fans and, and, and the, the necessary equipment. And then you can supplement with, uh, you know, just the buckets and the trays and the hand watering. And you'll save some money and you'll save yourself a lot of headaches when it comes to 
uh, dialing in hydro systems. All right, there you go. little checklist for the beginner grower. And now it is time for us to take some questions from our listeners. And if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you think, man? Should we hop in? Let's do it. All right. What have we got here? Let's start with uh, Quinn Byrne. Perhaps a relative of David Byrne. Spelled the same. Anyway, uh, Quinn Byrne writes, Dear Grow Bud Yourself, I have been doing some research on growing cannabis in preparation for my first grow, and I came across uh, grow tent kits on Amazon. I currently only have space for a 4x2 grow tent, so I am considering the Spider Farmer grow tent kit with SF2000 LEDs or the Mars Hydro grow tent kit with SP3000 LEDs. What do you think of these grow tent kits or kits generally that are offered by different companies? Uh, Do they usually have what's needed to start growing or would you recommend buying equipment in uh, pieces separately? Yeah, so that's a good question and has, uh, you know, something to do with the checklist that I made uh, earlier. And uh, as far as these two particular kits that you mentioned, uh, I would tend to go with the Mars Hydro kit over the Spider kit just because of the extra thousand uh, watts of LED lighting in the Mars kit. Uh, I'm just looking at the links that you sent. Uh, they, they look similar. They're priced very similar, right around uh, just under 700 bucks for the kit. Um, you know, there's... There's benefits to each one and uh, drawbacks to each one. These are on the cheaper side of uh, two by four uh, kits that you can get. I actually have a, a kit available at uh, dannysgrowtents.com, uh, which is uh, slightly more expensive, uh, but certainly gives you a little more bang for your buck uh, at uh, $1,150 uh, with a mint LED light and uh sweet leaf newts and a bunch of other uh added things there too uh so there's a lot of different options out there i think you need to just kind of the 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 tents are all fairly similar uh i would research you know the quality of the tent uh itself uh read a lot of the comments that people leave uh on those but also keep in mind that the companies also are, are adding comments so uh use that with a grain of salt, but, but do the research on the lighting. And as I mentioned earlier, you don't need any kind of expensive hydro system in any of these tents. Um, so if you want to just buy the tent itself and then, you know, accessorize it with the fan that you want dot to dial in the lighting you want to make sure is there the buckets and, and trays that you want it, you want, you'll probably end up saving some money, uh, over time and not having to make compromises in one respect where, you don't have it in the other and just make sure that, you know, whatever tent it is, uh, that it's, uh, light proof and that it's flood proof and that you're happy with the lighting that you're getting because you're spending most of the money on the lighting. The tent itself is not that expensive. Uh, so make sure the lighting is what you want it to be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically it's all really about the research. Uh, don't, you know, but, and, and these are, like I mentioned on the, cheaper side so some of the components are going to to fail after six months or a year and need replacement so just keep that in mind and between these two i'd go with the mars one because of the higher amount of lighting but at the same time i would want to do a little more research on all the different components that come in these different kits all right we actually have a little more here from quinn Byrne. so while we're on the subject of the tents uh, he also writes i have another question uh, i wanted to know how tall should a grow tent be uh, some tents online are only five feet tall is that a little short because space is needed for equipment lights the space between the lights and the plant canopy so five feet seems a little short uh, what do you think dan yeah i mean i agree uh, it's pretty tight at five feet. Some people don't have a lot of space in their home to go taller. Uh, I would recommend to have it a bit, be a bit taller so you have that extra space. Uh, if it's going to be five feet, you probably want to make sure that you're using an LED light and not a uh, HID, which needs you know 12 to 18 inches of distance. You can put the LED a bit closer to your canopy. Uh, and then 
again, if there's a reservoir and a tray, that's going to take up some space. Uh, if it's just buckets uh, on the floor of the tent, that gives you more a, li- a bit more space. Uh, so, you know, five feet's not not tiny. It takes up a decent amount of space uh, and it has some height to it. But you're certainly not going to want to veg those plants for too long. And if you do, uh, you're going to want to use a trellising system, some type of screen of green, uh, in order to make sure that they're not stretching up into your light. So uh, if you if you can make use of the space properly, it's enough space. But if you feel like you need extra space, and it always helps to have a little extra space as far as uh, air circulation goes and things like that, if necessary. So uh, if you can go taller, go taller. If you absolutely need the five feet, uh, and can't go taller, you can still grow decent sized plants in there. You're just going to have to manage, uh, for that height, uh, limitation. All right. And one last thing here from Mr. Quinn Byrne, uh, he writes, I intend to use a posy pot for my plants, which is a 3d printed pot that uses a water reservoir and funnel system to water the plants from the bottom, keeping the topsoil surface area dry. The water reservoir also allows for less frequent watering without flooding the plants. And he points out that, that you have previously suggested watering the plants from the bottom. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, there's certainly a lot of different options for uh, bottom watering plants, but uh, I'm looking at the Posy Pot website, posypot.com. It's it's interesting company, uh, 3D printed self-watering planters, which is pretty cool. Uh, these look like very stylish. They could be used uh, for house plants as well. Uh, a little pricey, but like as you mentioned, if if uh, if they function correctly and you can water from below. You're going to save water. You're probably going to have to water less per month, uh, less times. And you're going to have that top section without a lot of roots in it be a little drier. And the plant roots will will, will wick up the water that they need from below. Uh, and that will help you to avoid having insects like fungus gnats and things when you have that moist top layer. You also get algae on the top there. And and yeah, it's just a, a better way to water plants is from below. Uh, and just make sure that, you know, they're, they're getting watered properly so that, you know, you don't let the plant dry out entirely. Um, but yeah, I think it would work out fine with these. And it's an interesting company. Uh, I'd like to definitely learn more about these posy pots. All right. Thank you, Quinn Byrne. Say hi to David Forrest. Let's move on to digital hemorrhage. <laughs> Who writes? Uh, Sounds oh, like a like punk this. rock band. Yeah, I like the name, but I like this even better. Uh, Dear Mike and minor celebrity in pot circles. <laughs> of course, that's Danny okay. Danko. Yeah, uh, he writes. When drying plants, you always say to wait until they are popcorn dry and the branches snap. But which branches are you talking about? The toothpick thin ones that the buds grow directly off of? The slightly bigger ones that the toothpicks are attached to? Or the big branches that come off the main stalk? I'm 10 days into drying at 70 degrees and 50 to 55% humidity. And the buds are dry, but the branches are not snapping. Thanks for your help. What do you got for digital hemorrhage? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Uh, w- which branches? I would say the big, the biggest branches. You know, not maybe the main stalk, but the big branches that come off the main stalk uh, are the branches I'm talking about. So, if you're ten days into drying at seventy degrees with fifty to fifty-five percent humidity, you should be very close uh, to done. You're saying the buds are dry, but the branches are not snapping. So. They don't have to really snap as long as they're not like bending. There's, you can tell the difference when there's moisture in those branches uh, than when it's kind of lacking. And they're not going to snap like break in half, uh, but they're not going to bend the way they do when there's still a lot of moisture there. Uh, but you're right there. I mean, I would say no more than a day or two, uh, you should be ready and what I would do from that point is to cut those buds off of the toothpick-sized branches that you mentioned, the, the thin ones that they grow directly off of, then put them into a jar and seal them. And when you come back, uh, let's say two or three hours later, they should be moist again. And if they're not, then I would just seal them and let them stay for a longer period of time. 
Uh, but if they are, then you're you're in that curing window and everything's perfect. So uh, I feel like, you know, 10 days into drying at the temperature and humidity level that you mentioned, you should be within a day or two. And you did say the buds are dry, but the branches aren't snapping. So within a day or two, they probably will snap. And that is the time to seal up those buds and start the curing process. Um, but if you really do feel that the buds are dry, uh, I would say cut them off and start curing today if, uh, if they're really dry on the outside. Because it could be that the branches aren't snapping because of... I don't know what, but, uh, you know, if the buds are really dry on the outside, they're probably ready to start curing. So, uh, good luck. Sounds good. Thank you. Digital hemorrhage. Let's do one more. Uh, let's go to Jimmy and he writes, uh, Hey fellas, my guy at the hydro shop keeps talking about VPD. I know that means vapor pressure deficit, but I'm too embarrassed to admit that I don't know what that indicates exactly and why it's so important. Can you help? Yes. Well, we have done an episode in the past. I'm not sure which uh, which show, but we did a I did a grow topic on v- VPD on vapor pressure deficit. But basically, uh, it's a metric that takes into account air temperature, leaf temperature, and relative humidity. Uh, so those three things to dial in your environment uh, for optimal growth rate. So to understand vapor pressure deficit, first you have to understand relative humidity, uh, also just uh, abbreviated as RH. If your air is too dry, your plants will transpire more, so they'll release moisture through their stomata into the air. Uh, if the air is more humid, vapor pressure rises and the leaves transpire less, so they'll keep that moisture within the leaf and vpd is the difference measured between avp which is actual vapor pressure and svp which is saturation vapor pressure uh, i know that's a lot you know to wrap around but basically it's about uh the pressure from outside of your leaves either pulling out moisture or allowing that moisture to stay within um, if the vpd is too high Uh, young plants will take in more nutrients than they need and that can become quite toxic. You'll see the burnt leaf tips and things like that, signs of over-fertilization. As your plants mature, the VPD should rise a bit to accommodate for more transpiration. So uh, the bottom line is uh, once you calculate your VPD, then you can use humidifiers or dehumidifiers to raise and lower those rates and encourage healthier growth so really it's just about the pressure that's given off um, from the outside of your plants Uh, the pressure that either pulls moisture out or seals moisture in and when you dial in that pressure uh, your plants will be happier and they won't be transpiring too much or too little All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. We're going to take another question over on Patreon about drain-to-waste systems. So if you're interested in that, join us on patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. If you have a question, get in touch with us. It is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. All right, welcome back. It's time for the wrap, episode 79. Uh, It's been great, you guys. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors, Rocket Seeds, Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, uh, DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune, Uh, all of our Patreon supporters. We're up to 69, I think, supporters on Patreon, which is awesome. Uh, Really the best way you can support the show, even if it's just the $4 and 20 cents a month, uh, level is to join our Patreon and, uh, you'll get exclusive content. You get all kinds of, uh, cool things and be part of the community of the show. It's just, uh, a wonderful thing you can do to help us out with grow bud yourself and get us to a hundred episodes and more. Uh, want to thank, all of you guys uh, who watch us on YouTube or listen to us on YouTube or uh, 
pretty much any way that you listen to us because uh from the demographics that we get uh from Acast, it's people all over the world it's people on tablets on mobile phones on their desktops and uh and on their smart tvs so it's really cool we really appreciate it uh just want to say thanks to everybody um thank you to ed rosenthal for putting my chapter in his book like i said it's just such an honor and a pleasure for me uh one of the highlights of my career uh and um really a special thing kind of a full circle thing uh that made me feel feel really great to be a part of and uh thank you to mike g my co-host my producer uh my home slice my right hand man my work wife <laughs> how you feeling mike fine everything's fine yeah mm-hmm. all right well hey it's the bottom of the ninth you just struck them out let's put this one in the books episode 79 we'll be back next week with episode number 80 good night nailed it <laughs>